want to welcome you to another edition of Talking Tigs. I'm Scott Gerard. Joining me tonight, as always, Tommy Johnson, Daniel Zollinger. Uh, we've got to talk about this LSU loss as much as we might hate to do it. Uh, LSU losing to Auburn at home uh, for the first time since, well, last century, uh, the 90s, 1999 to be exact, uh, 24 to 19. We're going to get into that, uh, what, what's going to look like going forward, and you know what, what else happened in the rest of college football because it was another crazy week. Like if, if there was any week where LSU maybe could have held on for a win and it would have severely uh, behooved them, this, this would have been the week. Man, so many losses in front of us too. That's why I was thinking, okay, LSU's got to have this one. Uh, but they, they, well, I mean, they had it for like a quarter, quarter and a half. That was about it. Um, I don't know if you guys were at the game, um, but yeah, I mean, you can feel free to, to speak on that. I, I had a little question about the the crowd because you know you you would ex- you would have expected uh, a typical Tiger Stadium night game, especially you know so late on a Saturday night. Um, but it was it was kind of hard to tell on TV, and there were some people saying something about how they were kind of muting the crowd for the TV purposes, you know, like it was too loud for the broadcast. So they muted it. Yeah. I heard that. I didn't, I didn't know. I, I saw people tweeting about that, but I didn't know what that meant. Cause obviously we, we were, yeah, we were there. Yeah. So I didn't see it on TV. So they, so like, did it just sound like quiet on the broadcast? No, you could tell there were people yelling. It was just, you know, cause it's, it's kind of hard. I've heard on TV before watching a tiger game. Like you can tell when it's super loud. Uh, and it was just, it didn't sound as loud. And so I thought, huh, I wonder if it's just because of the broadcast or what? Uh, I mean, it looked like a mostly full stadium. I could see some empty seats way up in the top, but that was about it. But uh, you guys tell me. Um, also, how, how was your weekend otherwise, by the way? Yeah, we were, we were at the game. The, the stadium, at least at the beginning, was, I would say, probably 80% full or so. I mean, right at kickoff, like National Anthem, all that, it felt packed. Yeah, the pretty much the whole lower bowl was full. The upper deck was a little thin uh, and it got kind of even more thin as the game wore on at the very end. It was a little bit sad. A lot of people were kind of trickling out in the fourth quarter before we'd even won. People um, hit the, like, before, before you lost the lead or yeah, the, before I don't know. I said one before we lost, but yeah, while we were still winning. Uh, and then at the very end, the, the middle section is kind of the high payer seats. That was like 50% full at mm-hmm. most. And the upper decks were almost empty. Uh, the two the two bowl ends, which is like kind of the cheaper seats plus the student section, were still pretty full, which is good to see. I would put the total at the end at somewhere around like fifty to sixty thousand, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, people. But yeah, the, the game day was a lot of fun up until about the last hour of the day. Um, from the time we woke up till then, we had a good time. It was raining here uh, from about one o'clock till almost about kickoff. Nothing too heavily, but uh, the tailgate action was still pretty good over at the LSU Parade Grounds. That was fun. And then the, the rain stopped right before the game, so it was actually a decent weather uh, for the game itself. And, and like you were talking about on the TV, the stadium was pretty rocking at certain yeah. points. Like People were getting loud, um, so that was a good environment. And then ultimately, we couldn't uh, deliver the best product on the field, but other than that, had a good time. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that I mean, if, if, if we're talking about a different game right now, I'll, I'll be telling you like the atmosphere was incredible. Like it was back to, this was back to the way it needs to be. Like we're doing, you know, this is, this is LSU football, but um, you know, what matters really is on what's, what's on the field. And that was not, uh, not where you want it to be. Uh, definitely not. So we, we can uh, definitely get into that. I will say though, they did have a sideline reporter 
reporting on how loud it was and you know if you're if you're a fan of that put it on your bucket list uh just just a little side note there so i mean they they were talking about it even though you couldn't really tell sitting at home uh but back to like you said the uh the product on the field um i thought i don't know it's kind of like before the ucla game i kind of had a feeling i don't know i think you guys mentioned this too it's like there's just something about that day but you just didn't know about our chances and I thought it had something to do with like, you know, it's just, it's so long, so long to wait for this game. I, I don't know if that had anything to do with it. The Tigers mm-hmm. just weren't ready for it. I kind of had that feeling this, you know, yesterday, although I thought the Tigers chances would have been better because it would have been a home game and they just, you know, they'd shown progression from, you know, that first loss at UCLA from week to week, even on a, you know, a road win at Mississippi state wasn't perfect by any means, but you know, you, you know, we had a 28 to 10 lead at one point. So you thought, okay, cool. We're, we're finally putting some stuff together. And I'd say for the first quarter, quarter and a half, I, I felt the same way. And then it was somewhere at the end of the second quarter, maybe the third where I just kind of felt they're just not going to hold it. They're mm. just not going to hold it. And, you know, we had that first touchdown drive, which looked amazing <laughs> you know, they moved down the field. I don't know. It looked like uh, I actually was able to turn the game on right as uh, Butte caught that touchdown pass. And I saw the stat. He had like three catches. It said 99 yards. But I, I don't know if that was the first drive of the game or what. Because that would have meant they started at the one-yard line. But that wasn't the case, right? Uh, no. Okay. This, so there was a driver. So before yeah, that. he did. Yeah. It, it was a really nice touchdown catch. Like a 30-yard bomb from Max like to the back of the yeah. end zone. Perfect um, placement. And then, yeah, went a little bit downhill from there as far as offensive efficiency with K York racking up four field goals. Yeah. And I would say just, just to put it, just to boil it down to, I I don't know. It's like, we, we knew what our issues were before the week and I don't think anything really changed. Um, You know, Max looked good for most of the game. I thought definitely had some mistakes, but you know, there's a lot of people saying how, you know, Max is bad. Oh, he's awful. I was like, I, I can't say that I agree with that. I mean, I would say that he's doing pretty good for uh, basically a first-year starter, uh, a sophomore, a true sophomore, and he's just in an awful situation. It's like he is being made to win this game on his true sophomore arm and, you know, just playing in the SEC. Uh I mean, he's not Joe Burrow. I don't think we expected that, but it's like they're expecting him to be Joe Burrow. Yeah. But Joe Burrow at least had a running game to go with it. You know, we guess how many, you know how many yards we rushed for? 11. Yeah. 11. Trey Palmer had one punt return that totaled more than that. My goodness. Mm. Well, I I think you're, yeah, I think you're right. Like it's, after we won in 20, we all, we all love 2019. We all, we all thought, wow, this is, this is LSU. This is the new LSU. Like, we're going to build on this. We're going to turn this into Clemson. A, a Clemson. Yeah. We're the new Clemson. And, and we thought, okay, the formula is we've never been able to figure out having a high level, high production quarterback. And now the game has changed so much that we've, we said, we know what we have to change with it. We figured out how to do it. Now we've recruited good quarterbacks. We, you know, we, we've got at one time we had miles Vernon, who was like a four star in waiting. We had Max Johnson. We had TJ Finley, we had Peter Parrish, who was like actually a guy who was like supposed to be could could have been like highly talented, you know, highly talented, and could have played for you know anybody if he didn't get into legal trouble. And 
the 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 question mark was still like development though because we all know i mean you can't tell me that you can't tell me that that the o program developed joe burrow like he's a he's a product of urban myers ohio state program and then he came here and he was tuned and you know finally tuned by by lsu but but that everything everything about him that that made him into the into the competitor he is came from ohio state like let's just be honest uh, yeah, you know, he spent four years at Ohio State, uh, or or three and a half years at Ohio State. It, it, it doesn't. You don't. He didn't come in as a blank slate, and then you relearn everything and learn how to play quarterback at a very very high level, uh, the highest level probably we've ever seen in a yeah. in a year and a half. And so now we're getting to really see. You know, it's like 2019 was great. We all love it. We all want it back. We all enjoyed it. But last year and now this year are the the the. This is this is really where we get to see okay where is this program not this team because we had a great team in 2019 but we didn't have a great we don't have a great program and I think you're right like they they I, I think that and you know we've been I think we've been pretty um, easy on Coach O for the past two years um, you know a lot of people have been attacking a lot of people said like oh this is all him like people wanted this wanted him fired last year. I think that now we're trying, now we're starting to see like, I, at least I've, I've kind of turned a little bit because you're, you're exactly right. The way that we're, the way that we're set up to play offense is we're trying to make this poor guy named Max Johnson, who was a, like a four-star, maybe even a three, was he a three-star or four-star? Max Johnson is a four-star quarterback. I think he was like the number yeah. 10 quarterback in the country. Maybe we're making yeah. him play like a Heisman trophy. We're, we're making, we're setting, <laughs> we're putting him in positions that only Heisman trophy winning quarterbacks and transcendent quarterbacks like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, that those guys can make. And we're saying, go, go win it as a, as a guy who's only started six games in his life. And we, we need you to win it all on your own. Like go do it. Yeah. And, and, and it's unfair. And what, what, it, what it even shows to me, it does. It's not. I don't even care about. I mean, I do care that, that it's unfair or whatever. But what? But what that shows to me is that we have no. We have no vision for a system. We just. We just know. Well, when Burrow was here, like the key, like you know, it's like Saban always talks about. Like how he has got a. He's got the process, and this is how you build a championship team. And whether it's Bryce Young, Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa. Greg McElroy, you can go through AJ McCarron. They've had so many quarterbacks. They've got a, a nameless receivers. I mean, you can go through tons of people who talent they've had. It doesn't matter who they have because they, they adjust their team to fit the personnel they have. We have not done that at all. Yeah. Well, sorry to interrupt, but I think like Bama, they're not longing for the glory days None. of like Mac Jones or Tua or, or AJ McCarron because it still is the glory days. And it, in all likelihood next year will uh, once again be the glory days LSU at this point, we're like, Oh, we got to go back to 2019. And if you keep grasping for that straws, you're going to come up empty handed because you're living two not, years. You past, can't recreate right? like th- what you have to do is you have to say, like, I think there, I think there are things about this team that are probably actually better than, than the 2019 team. I think that with Derek Stanley on the field, I think our, I think our quarterbacks are better than the 20, I think, I think Eli Ricks is better than Christian Fulton. Yeah. I mean, I, our, defense, no our defense was at points in 2019, like pretty weak. That's and almost we were, alive, really. on this podcast. We were like, man, I don't know about this defense. I don't know if we can handle it. You know what I mean? Like, I think that, I think our wide receivers might be more talented than our, than our wide receiving core in 2019. Because when you look past Jefferson, 
Chase and Marshall, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't as deep a, a receiving core as we have now. I mean, we have so many freshmen that are that are playing lights out. So like, it, I'm I'm not saying that that we can't that oh like all is lost because we can't do what we did in 2019. But you have to adjust, and we have no adjustment at all. All we do, it, it it's like Coach O got he got a lot of trouble last year because because of the quote Joe Brady offense. We didn't do the Joe Brady offense, and instead of ta- instead of like understanding what that meant, because average people and like reporters, a lot of reporters and average people. What they mean by that is like we're not we're not having that exciting kind of like new look. We're not throwing the ball around. We're not we're not putting people athletes in space and letting them make moves. That's what they mean. They don't actually mean like okay, we need to go and like stu- like take video of of all the plays that Joe Brady came up with and then just like run them with our own people. It's like well, if we can't fit that in, if that doesn't work with our with our personnel, then then that's fine. Like don't do it. And so it's, it's a mess. It's really a mess. And it, it, it falls at the feet of these coaching staff. I mean, this Jake Peets, I was excited for him. I thought, okay, maybe he can do something good. Of course, especially with Christian McCaffrey, because he, he was supposed to be Christian McCaffrey's like, you know, guru. He turned Christian McCaffrey into the great running back that he is allegedly. And I was like, well, we've had a lot of struggles with our running backs. Maybe he can like, maybe he can really set up our running backs to have success on the ground and in the, in the passing game because he did it with, with McCaffrey. Well, that's like not happened at all. And I don't know what he's doing other than that. Yeah. And I guess we can refocus back on the Auburn game a little bit. Uh, not to kind of toot my own horn here a little bit, but I predicted Auburn 24, 17 and it was 24, 19. So yeah. almost hit it exactly right. Same. Uh, I, yeah. I had the scores back. I think I said same thing, something similar like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, you had uh, you had LSU winning, right? I did. Yeah, I did. But it was yeah, it was cool. you you got the, you got the the points right. We were we were in the yeah, we were right there. Um, and you know what? For a while, I thought well, because Auburn was what it was nineteen to seventeen, mm-hmm. and I thought LSU all you have to do is score a touchdown, and uh, I, I will be almost on. Uh, it'll it would have been twenty six to to seventeen, which you know whatever. But uh, that was that was not to be. Um, I don't know what happened. Um, you know, after that first touchdown, you know, you thought, okay, good. That was, that was nice. And then it was field goal and field goal, but like Auburn wasn't doing anything. So you thought, all right, well, it's another field goal, but Hey, like we're controlling the game. But like I said, in the second half, when that's, it's like, that's all we could get was another field goal. And for me, it just seemed like the offense devolved from the first quarter on. It just got less and less. We could drive down the field less and less instead of a 20 yard field goal. Now it's a 40 something. Luckily, we have a great kicker, one of the best in the the best in the country. Best in the country. But um, he, you know, he, he he can't win it on field goals alone, especially if you let Auburn hang around, and that's what they did. But what I realized is um, they didn't really punt. I don't think until the second half. But then it was like three straight three and outs, and they didn't do that the whole game. And it's like you, you can't win just passing. Even the announcers were saying this is like obviously Auburn knows that's all they're going to do. Hell, she didn't even try to run. Uh, hardly any. They well, it's because, very... yeah, at the beginning of the, the game, we tried to, and it didn't work, and then we we didn't adapt at all. We just kept running straight into the line for gains of minus two, zero, minus one yards. Uh, and then, like, after you see that's not working, there was no adaptation by Pete's or Coach O. Or no Whoever changes. it is, yeah. Yeah, no changes at halftime. Uh, we did it a little bit more in the second half, and then it was pretty much abandoned completely going into, like, the fourth quarter. And that's when you can't control the clock. 
you can't assert your will against the defense and grind them down because then all you have to do is force like two incompletions and you have one run of one yard and boom, you're three and out just like that. And that's what happened to us. And when we would get a break for one or two first downs, like we're at the 40 and then we sputter out and then Kate York trots on again for the field goal. And so it was just a, a game of missed opportunities. Like we had, we were, Tommy and I were rewatching the game. We had first and goal in the six, like when Miles Brennan, like or not Miles Brennan, uh, Max Johnson got hit out of bounds and they, they moved him down. And then we had a penalty and we settled for a field goal there. And like, you got to plug at least one of those in. We, we, I think we had four total times that we were, we were, we should have, scored a touchdown or had that we had the opportunity to score a touchdown and we and we said either settled for a field goal or, or didn't do anything yeah and you know it's like in a like if you get one of those or two of those you win the game but oh gosh well I want this to is i think this is a worse loss than than ucla to be honest oh yeah and then the other thing we, we all saw this during the game and i'm sure you saw it on tv too scott like coach o called four timeouts during the game in order to prevent delay of game penalties and so yep. literally all three in the first half and then one in the second half were called because we didn't have a play to run or because Max Johnson was checking out of the play and they were checking with Coach O on the sideline. Tommy's got some takes on this. Yeah, I mean, but that was that, really bad. That's not, that's not Max's fault. Um, well, one was right after a kickoff. Yeah, that, it, it was that the first was, play, first play of the drive. But that's because, and, and I've, I've heard this from multiple sources, I, or, you know, I've seen it on um, Blake Rafino at AYS has been reporting on it. You see it on Tiger Droppings. You can just see it if you just watch the game, you can tell. They Clearly what's happening is Jake Peets will call a play. They'll give it into Max. Then he'll run through some sort of cadence, either try to get him to come off sides or they're, maybe they'll run it on two or something. So he runs, he hits the, the cadence at the snap count looks and then he then he looks and he does the check with me thing where he looks at coach o and sees okay do we want to run this play that we originally called or change the play and did a little bit i did a little bit of uh firsthand reporting myself and i spoke to someone who's close to the program and, and uh was at practice this past week and he talked about how uh, coach o in the uh in the coach in the, the coach o show talked about how important it would be this this week to go with uh the high tempo but it's like, well, okay, well, what does high tempo really mean, right? Like, it, it means a lot of things to a lot of people. I would not say that at any point this year we have moved in just absolutely, like, high tempo, no huddle. Like, we're, we're as, the, as soon as the ball's down, we're snapping it again. Like, we haven't done that. We're not running, like, Oregon with Chip Kelly in the heyday. So what, what LSU, what high tempo means to LSU, according to LSU's coaches, um, is that they found, like, analytically, if you snap the ball – if, if Max Johnson or an LSU quarterback, I don't know if it's necessarily just him or, or just our system. If we snap the ball before 12 seconds left on the, uh, on the, the play clock and he gets the ball out of his hands in less in, in two and a half seconds or less, then it's like, it's like we have a, a 75 or, or 80% completion percentage or something. And it's like, these are incredible plays. So like that, that was a, an objective as stated by coach O going into this game. Like he was like, that's going to be key. We need to do that. We, we want to move back to tempo. I want to do tempo. I want to do tempo. Well, but then he's also the one who's doing this check with me stuff where he's at, where he's basically doing, uh, having, having final say on what we run. He's not an offensive guy. He's not a, he's not the play caller. He's not, he doesn't even have a, have you ever seen, oh, ever ha have a play sheet on the side of the sidelines? He's no. not like Lane Kiffin. He's not holding a sheet. No. So, 
if if we like it makes no sense to me we we, when you had the heisman trophy winning joe burrow they they could let him go to the line and do whatever he wanted to he checked off he checked out of stuff all the time he would call plays from the from the uh you know he he would he would change protections do all this stuff because he was a because he was a heisman trophy winning quarterback he was the expert max is not that there's nothing wrong with that but like you have to again you have to acknowledge that like you're not gonna be able to run the same the exact same system with a different guy and that's okay but it's 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 just ridiculous like knowing what i know about this about this like tempo stuff and then i i watched i watched the play clock multiple times i was like are we actually gonna are we actually doing it and we did it maybe a few times but most of the time we did we we would go through and get to like the 22nd mark and then he would look over and be like okay what do we want to do now and then they would change out of it and then we'd almost have a delay game and then you, you had mentioned it scott like when they did it on the first play of the drive and that was the worst one because it was the last drive of the game for lsu when mm-hmm. they had three minutes and change and they had to score a touchdown to win. And then they burn a timeout before they even snap the ball the first time. You're you like, looked at you looked at all of us and we were we were all sitting together. You were like, Yeah, that's yeah, that's gonna bite us. It's like you, you're gonna need that timeout in just about a minute uh, when the, the clock is running off the, the board. And then after that, they had the long pass to Bootsay that looked like we were saved for a second, and then they ruled it incomplete because there was that one angle of the video where the ball kind of nicks the ground. Uh, and then Max Johnson just had a desperation heave interception to kill it. But yeah, even that drive, like when there was about, I think a minute 45, we handed off to Ty Davis Price for like a two-yard gain and then 25 seconds drain off the clock and literally we gained nothing from that. What about how that was the slowest two-minute drill I've ever seen in my life? Right. We were moving yeah. with no intensity at all. We were just like playing like, I mean, we're just, okay, we're just going to run some plays and we'll see what happens. Right. I can understand trying to throw a, a run in there just to catch somebody off guard, but they're just – it wasn't going to happen, even with Auburn rushing three all night, which mostly they were. I mean, they were they were. Did you know that at one time they rushed two? Really? They and, dropped and nine. I guess people Max had to run for his life. <clears throat> well, yeah, we were just throwing. Might as well. Um, but that's the thing is, it's I, I can't understand why th- this five games in uh, we still don't have like anyone can just rush our quarterback. Like I, I remember saying this after the UCLA game. It was like you know what, Max and uh Keyshawn Butte look good they're gonna put up some points they're gonna maybe win a game or two for us but it's like you're not gonna go through the your SEC schedule with just throwing to him like people are gonna shut that down he had what I think only five or so catches in the first half he had one in the second half like what why I know there was that drop pass Dan just mentioned was like why why did he only have two catches or two one catch in the second half uh, you know, same with uh, Jack Bash. It's like uh, there was a couple passes where, you know, Max just was off. Um, there was one where there was wide open. I think it was Trey Palmer or, or Jack. Or, he mixed Jack, or, yeah, he missed Jack, Jack Bash for like maybe like a go-ahead touchdown. Uh, yeah, he, he probably would have been. But, I mean, it's like use those guys. They're, they're the ones getting you all these yards. They're the ones saving you on these drives. It's like all these – and then it's like every <laughs> – I, just it's just the order of things. Uh, maybe they expect that Auburn would expect them to run on first down. So they, it's like they passed a lot of first downs and then it's second and 10 and then they run. And then now it's third and eight, you know, and now, now you have to throw further downfield again. It's just, I don't understand the order of things. And it's just, it's really bizarre. Cause it's like you said, it's just it's, what five games in and we still cannot put together an offensive line that can give max 
three seconds. It's like everything is he's got to step up in the pocket or he's sacked. He's have to run around and towards the sideline and throw it out or throw it downfield or he's sacked. I don't know why. It seemed to work for Bo Nix. It didn't work for us. Auburn stayed in their coverage. We'll get to the defense in a second, but it's like uh, just Auburn could just, like you said, just drop people back, sit there, and just wait for us to throw it. I felt like there was going to be an interception because of all these weird passes that were almost intercepted, some that were knocked at the line of scrimmage. Like Max had to knock one down at one point. I was just saying, oh, God, he's going to get picked off at the wrong time. I mean, ultimately, it was the last play of the game. I, I don't think that would have made a difference, but it was just, it just, I, I felt it coming basically because of all these close calls that we had. I mean, I think uh, honestly, like kudos to, kudos to Max for protecting the ball as well as he did. Yeah. We, like, we haven't really given it up or fumbles either, really. Yeah. Like, I mean, there was that one, the one bad snap where he, and it like went way back. He like had to go fall on it. Oh. Um, but like, other than that, you know, like he doesn't, I, I he doesn't really hurl it into, into like the you know, huge coverage or whatever, which is good. Uh, especially in, and last last night would have been the time to do it. Like you said, I mean, they had so many people, they had so many people in coverage, especially like when they were playing zone, you would have had like, you know, three people who probably could close in on a, on a D on a, on a deeper, you know, medium, medium pass. So good for him for protecting the football, but, but Scott, you were like, you know, you're talking about like, I don't know why, what, what the, uh, what the plan is with like, okay, first, first down, we're going to throw it. And then, Oh, now it's second and 10. Let's just do a nice little uh, patented one yard, one yard run <laughs> up the middle run. price. I don't think Jake Peets has an idea. Well, I, I think, I think we have as, as much of a plan as he does. And I mean, like, I don't know. I know he's, a, I think he's supposed to be a nice guy. And like, I, I, I hope that he kind of, you know, has an idea of like what we're trying to accomplish, but it, we, I, I think we were all like, you know, hesitant, but also like kind of positive when he was hired or whatever. But the, all the criticism about him that that everybody everybody who was anti Pete's to begin with it was also it was all about like okay well this guy's never even called a play in his life before so like how's he going to call call plays in the SEC and that's that's has proven to be the most valid criticism pro, of this team so far like mm. he that, there's a reason why we can't get play calls in in time there's a reason why. Uh, why we we have no offensive like identity or why we why we kind of just it seems like every play is just isolated and it's like well this one seems good now let's do this one and now you know it's like we're just throwing at a dartboard whereas instead of like okay we're gonna run a play let's see what happens okay they did this it didn't work out maybe it was a complete pass but i saw something here i'm gonna take that in my back i'm gonna put that in the back of my mind and then a couple plays from now we're gonna go back to that see if we can get that same look again there's none of that at least it doesn't seem like that Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then overall, I mean, we know the offensive line is the, the weakest point. And then by extension, the run game, uh, you want to talk about the defense overall? Cause I think that was pretty good actually on the whole mm-hmm. besides the like four or five plays where our D line chase Bo Nix back and forth across the field. Mm-hmm. And then he delivers a miracle pass to escape. And it makes you just like want to throw up because you, you should have them dead to rights 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I, I will say this. Um, before this week, we were talking about how, you know, Auburn's going to gash us with their running, and they, they didn't really. Um, Bo Nix had the most running yards, and, you know, with their, their two running backs, we, we pretty much contained them except for basically that last touchdown drive. Um, but what happened was is they couldn't contain Bo Nix, and it wasn't just like planned runs. I mean, they did some, some read options, uh, and he you know, would hurt us there, but, you know, kind of just short field gains. 
what happened, what I don't get is <laughs> I understand it's kind of hard to defend against improv is a improvisation. You know, that's what made Johnny Manziel so good. And I didn't think Bo Nix was at that level, but we made him look like Johnny Menzel, mostly okay. because, you know, after that first one, there were five missed tackles mm-hmm. on that first touchdown. I, I counted them, five missed. And one was our starting linebacker, Micah Baskerville. He was like, had him by the shoulders. And he, Bo just, just kind of threw him off. Kind of like uh, Leonard Fournette did to Auburn a few years ago. He just threw him off. And then he ducked another guy and hit somebody wide open. My thing is, is, so there's something about the tackling with this team. It's like, I don't know where tackling has gone from put the face mask in the body and wrap your arms around his waist or chest or whatever to just trying to knock a man down with your momentum. Mm-hmm. I get it. In some situations, that's all you can do. And that's maybe that's all you need, especially if you're right by the sideline. But it's not going to work in the open field. And, you know, that's that's kind of separate from, you know, just not being able to tackle bull nicks. But that's just... That's just, you know, trying to catch a chicken. And that's what we looked like we were doing. And I know that Damone Clark was the SEC Defensive Player of the Week this past week for the game last week. He had, what, 15 tackles, something like that? He looked great. He was representing the 18 well. But I got to take him to task for this one because that Bo Nix touchdown run, he was running towards the end zone. And that's that's what he did. He was still like, he was at the two or the three. I couldn't quite tell. And he had a chance to tackle him. He didn't. He just like bumped him. Yeah. It's not going to push him down. It just changes his what direction he is going into the end zone with. It's like, that's where you grab him and your weight's going to take him down because they had to review the play because it was close. His knee was down. Imagine if you put a 235 pound linebacker on him, he's not going to go into the end zone. Tackle the guy. What are they doing? I I don't know. I I had to get that off my chest because I thought that was just so ridiculous i will say in in damone clark's defense he did have he he had a very crucial tackle at the end where the uh i forget who it was right right before the pylon yeah is that what yeah Yeah. where where like he he basically like saved a touchdown saved a touchdown and i mean i thought that was i thought that was a key like hustle play that a lot of people don't make and i I appreciated that um, that, yeah, that's um, that's where you can knock somebody out. That's what I'm saying. Like it was yeah. right by the sideline, and you just knocked him out of bounds. That's what we need, but not in the middle of the field. But um, I, I don't know. And it's it's not all on him. I mean, he had a I, I thought a you know a pretty good game. Otherwise, he was jawing with Bonex a lot. <laughs> I noticed that. Um, but you know, as far as the tackling, we didn't really give up that many big plays this week, right? Like a, there was the one touchdown pass. But I guess that was the thing for me is like we didn't have any. You know, Auburn had a set play, and we left a guy wide open. No. It was just not maintaining coverage when Bo Nix was running around in the backfield. It's like if, if, if he didn't have anyone to throw to, he would have had to throw it away or maybe would have got to him because his guys were covered. But that wasn't the case. LSU just let these guys run around because they thought, all right, well, our guys are going to tackle Bo Nix. And they just laxed on the coverage. That was my observation. You guys I, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't put it on. I don't put it on coverage at all. I mean, I think no. that I think that our coverage was was decent was good you know good decent to good mm-hmm. i put that on where, where is our our defensive line and line and like and outside linebackers i mean bj ojalari ojalari missed missed bo Nix twice in the same play we watch we rewatch <laughs> that play he tries to tackle him falls over gets back up and then tries to tackle him again and falls over and gets back up like th- that's that's inexcusable it's embarrassing and yeah. you're right he made they, we made him look like johnny manzel and bo Nix is not 
He's not. He's not that good. Right. He, he's fine. He's you know he's a middle of the road SEC quarterback. He's not top level. And I mean, if that's how I I just don't, I, I I just shudder at the thought of what what Bryce Young will do to us. Yeah. Because this is he's not an elite quarterback, and we we made him look like one. I, I don't put, but I don't put it on. I don't put it on our, our defensive backs. I thought I thought they were actually fine. It's very 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 hard to defend when when you basically just let the quarterback run all over and do whatever he wants yeah. and they, and you let these, you let these players go, especially if you're in like a, a, a zone, I, which I don't know. I can't really remember, but I feel like they, we did run a little bit more zone than normal. It's not like we were manned up the whole time. Like we kind of normally are with like Stingley and, and Ricks. It's, it's hard for them to, to maneuver around these, these scramble rules when he's just running all over the place, basically over. They're, you know, their route they're they were told to go to is over. And now they're just kind of running around. Bo mm-hmm. Nick should have been lit up that first time he tried that. I mean, Neil right. Farrell was right on his heels. That's a, he's a, you know, that's a huge defensive lineman. And he, and he just kind of whiffed. Like, how do you, how do you, like, that should not happen. You should be, pay, he should, <laughs> Bo Nick should have to pay for this. Yeah, I mean, I said in the stadium, and people were saying the same thing online that like Bonix put Vaseline on before the game, the way he was sliding around out of the arms of our tacklers. But I agree with you, Tommy. The, the DBs played pretty well. Jay Ward had a good game, like a lot of tackles plus the blocked punt. Um, but a weak point that I saw, like just looking at the stats, Micah Baskerville and Major Burns, two thirds of our starting linebackers combined for four tackles in the whole game. Uh, Damone Clark had. 13 by himself like I don't really know maybe it's just kind of the luck of the draw where the ball ends up and you make the play but I feel like they have to be filling those gaps and, and trying to take care of kind of the running back coming out of the backfield or being the spy on Bo Nix um or instead of we're, we're dropping everybody into coverage yes that just seems strange and then you're putting major burns like on a guy coming streaking across the the field on slant route and that's not his forte and covering that I don't think although he's played some kind of safety in the past uh and then, yeah, like you were mentioning, Tommy, about like B.J. Ojolari, uh, like one tackle with zero sacks the whole game. We had a few quarterback pressures, obviously, like we were talking about, but nobody could bring home the bacon when it mattered, and that is kind of really what hurt us. Yeah. And I, mean, I would say this, too, They like, going back to what you said about adjustment, like he, he did this a few times, and you would think, all right, well, that with some of his running abilities, like you, I don't know, Daniel, I had the same thought. You know, I was like, can we maybe just put a spy out there just to prevent this type of thing from happening? Cause it just, it, it kept happening and there was just, it seemed like there was nothing we could do to stop it. it in all of Auburn's plays, you know, for whatever they were doing, you know, they were all breaking down maybe because of coverage or because we were getting in the backfield, but he would just run around and stuff would something else would develop. If I was, if I was Auburn, if I was Bo Nix, you know, I would just go back to the, you know, the, the, the schoolyard days, I'll just make a huddle and go, all right, you know, just, just go out there and uh, just, just get open. I'll, I'll find you. That's, that's all they really needed to do. You know, it's like, I'll just run for my life and one of you will get open and I will hit you. That's all we need to do. That's all they, that's all they did do really. Um, and, and there you go. Um, I don't know. I think we'd pretty much covered it. I, I don't think we can dissect it anymore because uh, you know, it's, we're not going to, we're not going to reinvent the wheel here because just looking at the rest of our schedule, um, like this was the game we thought Mississippi state was going to be a good warm up game to get us into the sec. And it kind of was, and we thought this game would have been like a good solid win to make us feel like, all right, we're there. Uh, yeah. We've worked out some kinks and now we can build. 
because after this, it doesn't get any easier. I feel like that was probably our easiest game, maybe except for AM. I'm not sure. Uh, but after this, we have to go to Kentucky, who's undefeated. They just beat Florida for their first time in like 30 something years, too, I think, uh, mm-hmm. at least at home anyway. Um, and then after that, uh, we have Old Miss on the road. And then, you know, two weeks after that, because we have that Bama bye, then we have Alabama on the road and then Arkansas and so on and so forth. So I, I feel like this was a missed opportunity, especially because of everything that happened in front of us, you know, in the polls. It was just another crazy day. Uh, there was four teams in the top 10 that lost. You know, uh, then you look at the rest of uh, the top 25 and there's a lot of uh, a lot, lot of other upsets. And like, I don't know, I think LSU just missed a really good opportunity. Well, I'll, I'll say Coach L. Coach O missed a really good opportunity because he just did not have these guys ready. Even if uh, even if he did have them ready for the first quarter, which it looked like he didn't have them ready after halftime because there was nothing different. No, I think I think you're you're right. I mean, like this was this especially and to be honest, if we gotten blown out, it would have just been like, well, okay, we got blown out. Like that's us. This is us. But, but we 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 <laughs> we were leading that game for three and a half quarters. <laughs> like they Auburn Auburn only took the lead once, and it was at the end when they took the lead to win. With three minutes left, yeah. Like, like, it, like that should not have happened. Like if we had any kind of offensive or defensive continuity we win that game and it's like and we're just talking and now but i but i think here's a silver lining scott and i think now now is the time you're right that was that that was more of an important win or loss for coach o than it was for this team this team is this team's gonna be what it is like we're not that good we weren't that good week one we weren't that good week two we're still not that good but i i think that was that's coach o's job right there I think I don't think he'll be coaching at LSU for much longer. Yeah, and well, Tommy and I were talking about this last night at 1 a.m. walking back from the stadium yep. where at this point in the season, you're looking at the remaining schedule, and the only bright spot, if you can call it that, is ULM homecoming. So that'll be a win, yep. which gets us to four wins. But every single other game is questionable at best. Yeah, and even the games, like preseason, you're like, okay, Ole Miss, Kentucky, Kentucky. Uh, Arkansas, like, we can take care of these games. At this point, you're kind of – you're nervous. And if you're coach, Oh, you're very nervous. You're thinking about, you're thinking about an Ole Miss team that admittedly got embarrassed by Alabama, but has shown to be good this year. You've got Kentucky who's on a hot streak. Five. No, they just beat a good Florida team good last Florida week. Team. So we have to go to their house. People are hyped up about Kentucky football for the first time. And who knows how long you got an Arkansas team that's been that's playing hard nosed. Like now that, I mean, they got it. They got a straight up embarrassed by Georgia, but yeah. I think I think everybody's getting embarrassed by Georgia. Georgia looks like a world-beating team. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that one now because uh, you know we, we, dog fans have been through that before. Where well, we look good to start the season, and there's always one or two losses that are inexplicable, and then that's you know we're, we're stuck in the the Capital One Bowl again. Uh, so Georgia does Georgia and Alabama, I think, are you know in a separate uh, tier all to themselves. The rest of college football remains to be seen. Although I, I'm sure Cincinnati wants to feel like they have a chance to 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 knock on the door into the playoff but um let me ask you guys this i have two questions the first one is just looking at the rest of the schedule um i remember last season you know we were in a we were in the negative uh we were under 500 we won out to finish at 500 do you think we can at least finish out 500 this season so we well, need well the question is yeah so we beat ULM so we have to win two out of the other six games 
Because that because we would be at four and but it really has to be two out of that two out of the other five because we're not beating Alabama. Right. So you have to win two out of five between Kentucky, Ole Miss, A and M, uh, Arkansas, and I might have missed one. But yeah, so out of those games, you're like, okay, let's beat Kentucky, but that's not a given. Mm-hmm. Like let's be or A and M is actually looking probably the worst out of all the other teams at this point. Yeah. So that one the 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 game to end the season could be a possibility. I think it's definitely, yeah, you, LSU can do it. They can get to six and six, maybe even seven and five. But at this point, it's hard to say the ceiling is much higher than that. And even a seven and five ceiling, I think is, is not good for coach O's job. Pack, pack it up, go home. Seven <laughs> and five. I mean, like it's over. Right. All right. Well, that was my next question is um, just, you know, uh, I don't know if, you know, we can all put ourselves in the Scott Woodward's head, but uh, if it does go, if, if we don't even get to seven and five, like at what point do you think he would pull the plug? Like, would he, do you think he would meet Cocho on a tarmac sometime before this season is over? A la Lane Kiffin. Well, well, some voices are saying that if we lose to Kentucky next week, then He's the, the plug is going to be pulled immediately. And oh, really? halfway through the season, we're on the, the search for a new head coach. It's a, it's a dangerous move to do in some sense. And maybe it's even more of a statement than like a strategic play. I don't know what the, so like, so, okay, we're, we're in this point. This is an important point. We we've avoided. I will say, I think we avoided the fire coach. What's next conversation for a while. We didn't really talk about it last year. We, we kind of danced around with it after the UCLA win, but now, now we're full on. We took, we're taking this thing to prom. Like, I think that what is the advantage from Scott Woodward's position of firing him mid season? I don't really understand that. I, I think about it from a, from a recruiting perspective, because that is like probably, you know, 90 or not 90% of the sport, but a good 75% of the sport is just recruiting and recruits don't want to go to a school where the coaches, the coach, like, where, like they don't want to be recruited by a guy who's going to, who's, who they know is going to get fired. But then again, I also don't know if they want to be recruited by the interim head coach or the guy who like is the recruiting coordinator for a head coach that got fired yeah. in the middle of the season. I, I feel like it's kind of a, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, but I don't know what's better for us. I know that's important though. Yeah. It's like, who would you even hire to replace him or who would you uh, point to that interim position? One advantage of firing him immediately is that if the rest of the season does turn into a fiery train wreck, either way, if there's no coach, Oh, you can say like, Oh, it like, he was gone. We we're just kind of a, a lost season. Although if he's, if he's there and that you can happens, blame it all on him. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, you can kind of spin it however you want multiple ways. Uh, I think the only way that it, the but only- I would say for sure that Woodward and the other brass at LSU are, they've got the spyglass out kind of tapping into to who's on the market. I mean, a few names that some people have tossed around like Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, although that might that be hard. Make sense to me. It'd be hard to pull him into LSU at this point. I think Billy Napier of uh Louisiana he's turned down multiple SEC jobs in the past supposedly um I don't know if he would break his covenants to go to LSU now and then I I don't even really know who else besides Hugh Freeze Freeze, yeah um Um, Bill O'Brien well I I don't know I I I agree I I, yeah I don't know if you want to fire him mid-season because you know there's still some games where you know if the recruit like there's a lot of recruits at this game uh you know it sucks that we couldn't put on a better show for them but you know there's a couple five stars too from what i heard yeah uh you know if there's some more scheduled for the rest of the year it's like if hey if those are you know coach guys you know they're going to show up to a game and he's not there um 
it's like, well, then what do you do to the guys that maybe did like go and, uh, or maybe the ones that just, they're going to come in and like, you know, yeah, well, it's down to this and this other school. I know what they're doing. Uh, their coach isn't going anywhere. They're, you know, they're in the top 10 right now. Well, what about you? Uh, you know, uh, well, I actually, I don't know what to tell you because I don't know who our coach is going to be. Yeah. Cause when you do get the new coach, then you're on a kind of a two to three years, like startup startup cycle uh, to reestablish the program and get those recruits. Like you were saying, Scott. So once you, once you make that happen, then you, you're kind of conceding your team to a point. Yeah, I a see while. like that's where, that's where I, I, I'm starting to toy with this. So we, I mean, we started this podcast going into the 2019 season and the storyline to begin, begin with was, what what is LSU right now? Are we are we a good program that that peaks every now and then? We win, we we get really good. Maybe we maybe we, we catch lightning in a bottle for some reason, or are we be, are we moving into that upper that upper echelon of elite programs? Ohio State, Clemson, uh, Alabama, where it's just perennial. You lock and load. New new guys come in. New guy, old guys leave. Doesn't really matter because there's they're all great. And I remember we were like, well, you know, this is be a really a a, a proving point for O. Is he going to turn us into that? I think it's tr- safe to say now he's not. But then but then you start thinking about it. Okay, well, how did we win in nineteen? How did we win in two? You go back to Les Miles. I don't think Les Miles. He clearly didn't turn us into like the elite Alabama esque. Clemson-esque, Ohio State-esque program because he got fired, and his the last you know two years of his of his tenure were terrible too. It's very it's actually very similar to what we're seeing right now. Like, I you could have told me that the team we watched last night was a team coached by Les Miles playing twenty twenty foot or twenty twenty one football style of football, like more more air raid shotgun stuff, but it's coached by Les Miles. I would have believed you. I would have too. I had that same thought, like because like you said, there was no tempo. And we were just one dimensional. I was like, this is a less miles ish game right now. So, so here's, here's my thought. This is something I thought about this morning. What if it's not that it's a less miles game or that it's a coach O game? What if it's that, and, and, and what if it's not that coach O got really, really lucky in 2019 and won a national championship or less miles. Remember the narrative on less miles in 07? Well, he just won the championship because he had Saban's players. Say smiles didn't do anything. He's not a football mastermind. He just, he just, he inherited Saban's program. Well, I don't think you can call LSU Saban's program 19 years after he leaves. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think Cocho inherited the fruits of Saban's labor in 03. So here's no. my thought. No, I think LSU as a program itself, regardless of who is at the top of it, who, regardless of who the coach is, regardless of who um, the quarterback is, whatever. I think that there is a just a certain level, like a certain a floor for LSU, that because they are the best in the best program in Louisiana, because Louisiana grows some of the best talent in the country per capita. I think isn't it like a crazy stat that like Louisiana has the most NFL players per capita? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So like we just happen to have this fertile ground of football players, and for kids who grew up here, there's only one school you want to go to. You want to go to Al- you want to go to LSU. The only people who really take people from us is Alabama, and that's a guy who used to coach at LSU, and so he kind of understands the he understands how to appeal to them. I wonder if you could take generic coach X, you know, and put him at the helm of LSU right now, and he might win as many games as Coach O, not because they're or, or less miles, not because they're all great coaches or they're all bad coaches, but because. LSU as itself, just you just put eleven guys on the field, 
with the way that we're able to recruit because of who we are, you're going to, the production is going to be about here. What, so then, so if you knowing that, the, the, the question needs to be, okay, well, who can take us up, who can take us notches above, who can take what we already have as a baseline for this program and elevate it. And I think, I think that's where we're at. I don't think that it's necessarily a coach O problem or a, or a less miles problem. I think it's that they're all, eh, we need somebody who can actually add something and not just manage what we have. Right. Yeah. And to add on top of that, and I saw someone say something about this last night. It's like, you know, you were saying earlier about Coach O, you know, doesn't even have a play sheet in front of him. Uh, you know, and he's a defensive line coach. And, you know, if, if you have a defensive coach, your defense should be one of the best in the country, especially if you're a defensive line coach. Ours is not. It's like I, Coach O is basically just a figurehead. He's like the Queen of England. He's just, <laughs> he's just there. He calls shots, but everyone else is basically the ones that are keeping it together. And I, I guess you could say the same about Les Miles, but I mean, he knew, I guess he could manage talent and he could manage his coaches. Uh, he just didn't have the right coaches to develop an offense. Um, and, you know, Saban, the only, I think the only coach in America that, you know, cannot be, a, you know, a specific um, type of coach, like, um, like an offensive mind, like, uh, you know, like a uh, Lane Kiffin or, uh, you know, somebody like that. Uh, that's that's Saban though. That's the standalone thing. We got to get somebody in here. Well, maybe you know, we, thought, we, we thought it, we thought it was going to be Jimbo, but you know you can see how he's doing at Texas A&M. But granted, Texas A&M is not LSU. We need someone that's going to come in with a specialty that can a fix everything on offense. When I say fix something, I mean like develop a quarterback, somebody that's not going to take Max Johnson and run him into the ground, but also is not going to waste timeouts on a stupid play calling gaps yep. and just give us some tempo so we can move the ball, maybe tire the defense out. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we could try that. I asked a buddy about this. He's like, Hey man, we, you know, uh, cause he's an Arkansas uh, guy, uh, but yeah. you know, he coaches high school football and uh, he, he coaches the offensive line. And I said, so if you're a one dimensional offense and everyone knows you're going to do this, either run or pass, it's like, how do you, and you know, and they just start game planning for it. It's like, how do you, how do you get around that? How do you, you know, try and get the upper hand. He's like, well, you got to show them something they haven't seen. It's like, everyone's got enough tape on us now. They know what we're, we're going to do. They've seen, they've seen it all before, but it's like, we, we're not trying anything new. There's no creativity. There's no moxie. There's nothing. So we need someone that's going to come in and take a chance every now and then, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's my guess. I agree. And I think this upcoming game is going to be a pretty good barometer for all this because after Kentucky, We'll be halfway through the season. It's pretty crazy that we're already halfway done. Mm -hmm. right. uh, and then, so at this point, you're either sitting at four and two or three and three. And like we said before, if we lose, there's a chance that it was gone. But even if we win, I feel like if we win, we're going to be in kind of the situation we were at certain points last year, where is like just doing barely enough to kind of get by. Uh, and then you, you get a little bit of hope for a week or two, and then they snatch it away. Uh, and then you, you ride that roller coaster up and down. And we obviously have the talent to beat Kentucky going in there. And, uh, but just a loss to them would be so depressing because it's kind of like losing to Missouri last year where it's like, this just sh shouldn't happen for LSU football. Uh, I don't know if we want to do any sort of like predictions for the game, but it's even kind of hard to say right now, Kentucky's favored over LSU by I think four points. Yeah. Which I guess makes sense given our recent performance and theirs as well, beating Florida, um, if you had told me before the season that Kentucky was going to be favored by three against LSU, I would have called you crazy, but here we are. 
Yeah, I'm afraid to give a prediction, actually. I, I just don't know. I I want to say Kentucky by seven, you know, something I, like that. So so here's – and this is what I was, I was telling Dana right before we started. Like, I almost feel like you have to, like, pick the opposite. Like, I almost think LSU might – like, we'll probably win this game. And it right. makes me mad. I want us to, like – I, I don't – this sounds really bad, especially for, like, an LSU fan. But, like, I want us to lose because I want – I don't want there to be – last year, we we say – we could have – like, imagine that last year plays out, like, even – like, imagine there's no COVID, so it's, like, a normal year. We come off the greatest season ever, and we lose, like, every game almost, and we don't win that Florida game or we don't win that Ole Miss game, and Coach O's gone. Yeah, because we were three and five. I know. We were like very, I mean, it was almost, I guess it was almost, it was like worse than we're at right now. You know what I mean? Like, um, I like the, basically two wins the, the, the Florida win and the Ole Miss win saved, saved this whole program, saved his whole job. And now we have to do it all over again. I don't want there, I don't want us to get, be a middling team again where we, we miraculously beat Kentucky and then like maybe we, we actually kind of compete with Alabama for like a quarter and then we, fluke into a win against Ole Miss and then it's like hey look we're actually okay like we're good nobody needs to be fired just trust the process we'll get there eventually like I'm ready to wipe it clean like I think that I think that you're right like the coach like I believed in 2019 I was like you know what maybe maybe it's right maybe he is the figurehead that we need like maybe he is the counter to Saban and all that I don't think that's the case anymore I think that you know now nobody would have ever said that he was the football mind that Saban is or the, the manager that Saban is or the, the, uh, the leader that Saban is. But I thought like, well, maybe he's the foil to that. Like he does it his own way, but maybe there's other ways to, to, to get to the, get to the mountaintop. Um, it, the experiment needs to be ended. We just need to, we have, we have too much. This is what does concern me. And I heard, I heard somebody, I was watching a post game show yesterday and somebody, it was like a chat. They do the chat function. People on YouTube will put chats in said how long till lsu is with the likes of florida state texas and usc and nebraska now that scared me yeah i don't think i don't think that would be the case um no i don't think so either but i you know what scott i i bet it's i bet it i bet it takes less than you think right but it takes less i bet i bet everybody at texas or everybody at nebraska or everybody at florida state i mean florida state won a national championship six years ago Right. That doesn't seem that I remember Jameis Winston. You know what I mean? Like I remember when he won the Heisman, like I can, I, I, I think that, um, I bet that I bet all the Texas people when Mac Brown left and, and they just competed for national championship with Colt McCoy, I bet they were like, Oh, we you know what? We'll figure it out. Give us some time. We'll figure it out. And then before you know it, they're, they're four coaches deep and they, they still haven't figured it out. Yeah. I guess you said like Florida state, they were in the gutter within four years ish after winning a national championship. We're two years removed from we're two ours. years removed and we're kind of, we're, we're, we're looking at that gutter. So yeah, you, you can definitely scoop it out or snatch victory from the jaws of defeat, uh, which is the opposite of what LSU likes to do. Yeah, really. um, if we, if we like now is the time we cannot, we just can't let this fester because the way it festers and we talked about it, I, you know, it's, it's needs to be a key thinking. It needs to be, you have to balance, you have to balance this, this, this decision because recruiting is everything in this sport. You can't just go out there and buy players. You can't just get your GM, start writing checks and we get all these people in. So in the recruiting game, we can't hold on to him too long. If, if we're going to take things south, 
and the pitch, there's no pitch anymore. The work, the hardest thing in college, in football to do college football is to pitch a buy into a, to a rebuilding program. That's why Florida state can't do it. Like Florida state, none of the kids remember, like the kids you're recruiting these days, they were like, see if they're, if they're, they're like 12, they were like 11, 10 years old when Jameis Winston, they don't remember that. And then if you try to show them the highlight films of like Deion Sanders, they're like, who is that? (laughs) There's no, there's no like touchstone. Same thing with Texas. Like I, all the kids that are, that they're trying to recruit right now, the, the, who's the greatest Texas player they remember from recently. Like they were probably like six years old, five years old when Colt McCoy played there. Talk about USC. What are you going to, how do these kids even know who, nobody knows who Reggie Bush is for them you know what i mean like they were like one years old when reggie bush was playing for usc yeah. so we can't like luckily i think that any coach like let's just say coach x becomes coach next year he can still show highlight films of, of joe burrow and say hey do you see that guy in cincinnati they're the two guys who are playing that guy who threw the touchdown to jamar chase well hey they played here last year we won a national or two years ago we had a national championship it's cool to come here that's going to go away in three years. Like it's not going to be as cool as it was. So um, I, I, you have to, you have to make the decision decisively. I I trust Woodward to do it, but you have to like, we can't dilly dally and just be like, okay, coach, Oh, take it, figure it out. But we also don't want to fire him too soon. And then like cost our recruiting class we have now. Yeah. Uh, I think all the, one thing in common, all the schools you just mentioned, I was going to mention USC. I'm glad you did. Um, it's like all these schools, well, USC is different, but like FSU and Texas, it's like they had a coach that won a title and it's like, they thought, you know, the boosters just got tired of them being a middling program. Um, and you know, they, they kind of like Bobby Bowden was, you know, they, they weren't going to fire him. Uh, but you know, they definitely wanted him to retire maybe a few years before he did, you know, same with Texas, with Mac Brown, and those programs just never recovered. USC is different because, you know, Pete Carroll just hightailed out of town when he saw some sanctions coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but same thing, you know, that, that program has not been the same since. Um, LSU, I don't know. Um, I, I think, like, we could recover quicker, you know, if we... I think, we're, I think there are just, like, things about Louisiana and LSU. I think, to be honest, I think LSU is bigger than the Saints for our state. I think that, like... As a state, we I think there are more people who get behind LSU, especially when we're good than necessarily a big Saints run goes, just because it's a little bit different. I think that like we, I think that recruiting, like I think in in the state of Louisiana, we're we're always going to be able to 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 produce high quality athletes, high quality football players, and they're always going to really kind of want to go to LSU. I think, I think it that provides us with longer, maybe a little bit longer shelf life, but it can happen to anybody. I don't mm-hmm. think I don't think you should I don't think we should take that for granted at all. Mm-mm. No, um, but I, I just I don't think that it's not like you know we had Saban and he just stopped winning and they wanted to replace him with Coach O or you know somebody else. It's like we, I think we're in a different situation. It's like we could recover. Uh, I think they'd have to do it tastefully though. Um, I, I just I, I'd hate to say you know you know why well it's time to give Coach O the door, but I, I don't know I, if if LSU fans want to see us succeed that might be the case unless he can bring in another quarterback that is just ready to walk on the field from a transfer and he can bring in somebody like Joe Brady that can just change things uh, I mean I we, we still I don't know I don't know about Durante you know Jones quite yet I, I feel like 
I like it better. For the than first Pete's. half, he's been great. It's improved over Pelini. Right. We can say this. Yeah. Definitely, I think, definitely. I just don't Scott, think it's been a consistent four quarters or any game this year. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I agree with that. But I think also, I think our, I think he's actually, I think he's fine. I don't think he's the defense. I don't think he's Brent Venables. What is, is, is he Dave Aranda? No, that's a no, name some people have tossed as like Aranda. Oh, Aranda. Back. Kind of, uh, okay. Actually, that would actually be kind of cool. Kind of cool. I wouldn't mind that, but especially with the way he's playing with, with Baylor now, I mean, he's really, and now, you know, what might actually be a thing. You bring Aranda back. That's a, that's an interesting one. I haven't heard that as much. Yeah, I think that's picked up a little bit recently because Baylor last year was bad and Baylor first, was terrible in his first year. And then they they played, they played kind of poor competition this year and they they lost one, but I think they're four and one. Yeah, uh, which they beat somebody this past. Yeah, they beat Iowa State. Yeah, not overtime, I believe. Yeah. Uh, this but then they week. they just lost this past. They just lost yesterday. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think the one thing about Aranda that might be kind of might be kind of interesting is he's basically on a sinking ship <laughs> in the Big Twelve. Like, right. he's, you know, he's going to be in a conference that might not even exist in the next five years. Um, so, like, yeah, I could see that. The only thing is that Aranda, and, and I've heard, I've talked to people who've met, or I've never met him. I've talked to people who met him. They say he's a weird guy. Like, he's like a, he's like a scientist of football. Like, he's not, he's not a personable guy. He's not going to be, he's not a recruiter, really. Kind of the anti-O. Yeah. Almost. Well, that's why they didn't get along. Yeah. You know, like. Dave Aranda knew everything about that defense. Coach I know no, knew nothing about the defense. Like, so, and, and and from what I've heard, and and there's so much when you when you really look into it, and I'm not trying to throw O under the bus, really. Um, but when you if you if you read anything of like the inside locker room stories, and again, it's all rumor or whatever, but I, I kind of believe it from from some of the stuff I heard from people I trust. Like, there's so much ego in that office. Of course, there's always ego. It's 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 football. It's college football. It's coaching. But there's so much like insecurity about about uh, and kind of imposter syndrome almost, where it's like oh like I you know and and supposedly oh never liked Aranda because he was always worried that he that he would look more like a head coach like he would be the smarter football guy in the meetings so he he didn't like and that's why he put him down like when Aranda left. And then he was like, yeah, Polini's like 10 times better than it was because Polini was basically a yes man to O, didn't really do anything. And, and, and O felt like he was the, the, the stronger guy. You know what I mean? So it's a lot of like dynamics that, that, that all of that, that just, that dooms you. And that's like your main yeah. concern is like how you look compared to your, your staff and all that, it, it's, it, whatever. But um, yeah, Randa would be an interesting one. I'm not, I'm not, to be honest with all this, all the speculative like names right now, I'm not wowed by anybody. I don't think there's anybody who I'm like, you know, man, if we could just get that guy. Right. Yeah. There's not a lot of home run names out there. Um, Cause everybody's either locked up with a team already or kind of washed up like on the outs. Like, I don't think, okay. I don't think Kiffin's the answer. A lot of people want Kiffin. I like Kiffin. I think like, I think he's fine. I don't think I don't know if Kiffin necessarily. They say like, okay, hey, look at what he's done with Ole Miss. You give what, what happens when you give Kiffin the you know the keys to to our Ferrari. I don't know if that's really how it works. Like, I don't know if Kiffin's going to be that much more successful with that little LSU. Would, but would he even would he even want it? It's like why? Yeah, it's, it's it almost feels like I think it is a step up just because I mean we'd pay him probably more, and right. LSU has more resources. But it's it's not a it's not a complete step up. It's closer to a lateral move in my opinion that's that's what i was thinking yeah um oh bill o'brien i guess 
I don't know. He doesn't feel like I, I, he doesn't feel like an a, like an SEC guy to me. Um, like you know, he had a lot of success at Penn State, but and I guess he's he's doing well with Alabama. But you never know with LSU, with with uh, Alabama assistants, right? Although, yeah. okay, wait a minute. I just had a thought. Now this could be. Oh man, I actually okay. I think I like this one. Pete Golding. Alabama's DC. Alabama's DC from Hammond, Louisiana. He's a hometown guy. He comes in here and, and uh, he comes in here and he poaches a lot of our talent because he knows how to, he knows Louisiana. He knows his high schoolers. His dad is a high school coach from around here somewhere. I don't know where. I think his dad coaches in maybe in, maybe around Hammond. I know. I think he. Uh, yeah, I think he's around there. Anyways, um, that might be one. He's young, energetic. He's got, he's, he, I mean, there were a lot of questions last year. Of course, Pete Golden came into Alabama. He was co-DCs with like another guy um, two years ago when we beat him in, in, at, in 19. There were a lot of questions about him. Like if he's going to be, can he actually do it? Last year, he kind of proved that he could. And then this year, I think Alabama's defense has been really, really good. Um, he understands the transfer portal. He's, like I said, he's young. He needs a step up. Like this would be a step up going to a, Going to, he was actually a name that was floated. It made no sense to me last year when, when his name was floated as being a DC because it was like, why would you go from Alabama to LSU? Like you have the be, you have the best pieces in all of college football to play with, and you're going to come to LSU and take the same job with worse players. Makes no sense. But I mean, like getting this guy, oh, oh, I would love that. <laughs> He's like that's like getting that's like getting Kirby Smart, right? Man, I just stumbled. Uh, Give me Scott on the phone. Not not you, Scott. Give me Scott Woodward right. on the phone. Although Saban did move to twenty four and zero against his former assistants as he laid the boom on Lane Kiffin. Yeah, but that's not that's He's not, gonna be the first. We we need to stop, and we finally did it. I mean, we did it in twenty nineteen, and then it actually worked out in our favor. Beating Alabama is not our season. Like we we need as LSU fans, I, I think that what we're watching right now is unacceptable. I I totally agree. But also, we need to we need to be okay. We need to learn to be okay and, and enjoy a decent season because you're not going to go undefeated every year. And like having one or two losses and losing to Alabama, it's like, you know what? Like they're a well-oiled machine. They have they have they they do things almost perfect. They do it almost as perfectly as you can. And they're not having Title Nine troubles. They're not having off the field issues. They're not having a player. They're, they're not having five stars not be able to play because it took the wrong class. They're not having people dismissed because of drugs. So yeah, like it's just, it's, we're not going to beat them. I, I talked to a guy who is, is really familiar with college football and, and, and is, you know, knows kind of the insides of all the different programs. He said, he was like, they might not lose a game for the next three years. He was like, with the way that they're, with the way that their depth chart is right now, with the way that they're the quarterback they have with, with Bryce Young and with the way that like they're recruiting, he was like, they could easily go 36 and 0 for the next three years. And he's like, and it's just nobody's gonna beat it. It's just that's just how it is. It's it's almost predetermined. But like you can you could take, guess what? You can still make the playoff without a lot with one loss. In some ways, it's actually better to make the playoff by losing to Alabama because mm-hmm. you don't have to play that extra game, the SC championship. True. You know, you know True. what I mean? Like, so I, 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 we need to, we need to reduce our expectations off of tw- and quit comparing everything to 19, but also, but also understand how we got there. 
I think that I think that you're right, Scott. You were talking about like how Coach O is like, well, I guess I just need to find another quarterback in the transfer portal and find another offensive mastermind. It's like if that's the formula that we want to use to get to the national championship, then you know what? I'll see. I'll see you in 2058. Yeah. That'll be that'll be when we when we get when we luck out and draw the right lottery tickets. You right. know, it, that's not how you build a program. You build a program from the ground up, and you get you recruit talent, you develop talent. And then you put export that talent to the NFL and prove to future recruits that you can do it over again. That's yeah. how Alabama does it. That's how Georgia does it. That's how that's how Ohio State does it. That's how Clemson does it. Yeah. I want Pete Golding. That's what I want. There, there we go. Uh, and that's the end of it right there. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who I would want. I, I think it will open up some uh, some interesting op- possibilities and opportunities, uh, considering that uh, Texas and Oklahoma are going to leave the big 12 and join the sec you got to think that there's some really good coach maybe in the big 12 uh maybe iowa state's coach i don't know uh, i feel like and this is probably the last thing um i'll say on it is you know we didn't really know who les miles was when he got here and yeah you could say y'all oh, he won with oh he won with Saban's players like okay but that was like three years after the fact like these were seniors that he won with Saban's, you know, guys that were freshmen at the time, probably uh, it took three years for that to happen. Granted, he had some 11 and two seasons up until then. I'd be fine with 11 and two seasons and playing for a title once every four years, which has pretty much been the formula. Uh, you know, this, this century it's playing for a title every four years, just about uh, except for the mid 20 teens. Uh, I I'd be fine with that. You know, if, if we lose to Alabama every year, yeah, so be it. So be it. But uh, I don't know. Looking forward, we got we got our uh, our work cut out for us this season. I think I would be lucky to finish five hundred. If you if you did go seven and five, yeah, I don't know if that's enough to save his job. Maybe it is, but I, I don't know. Do you guys have anything else you wanted to toss uh, out there? We want to focus up real quick on the, like this upcoming week what we're what we're watching here because we had the SEC Fiesta this past week, which turned into two blowouts by yeah. Georgia and Alabama. And then uh, actually the LSU was on pretty much the game of the week. Yeah. Um, shout out to my, my Cincinnati Bearcats who took down Notre Dame. I said, this yeah. is going to happen before the season and they're still undefeated. Uh, they've made it past their hardest test. Now they got the, the smooth sailing rest of the way to the playoff. If they're going to be the first ever group of five team in the playoff. Uh, but yeah, this upcoming week, not as much going on. They got the Red River rivalry, Oklahoma and Texas, our future foes. Uh, that one's always exciting. Last year, they had the four overtime game uh, when Sam Ellinger was leading his heroics. And then other than that, oh, the, the big game is Iowa versus Penn State, two teams which are somehow in the top four because uh, yeah. after Georgia and Alabama, it's Iowa and Penn State. So that'll be uh, the afternoon game. And then LSU's lined up for 6.30 p.m. at uh, Central Time at Kentucky. So, um, yeah, we're on the SEC network. We're no longer worthy of primetime ESPN. <laughs> Yeah, we've lost it. And that's, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. Um, I don't know, I think that'd probably do it for us tonight. Don't you think? We, we covered quite a bit. Yeah, I think so. I, I agree. Tommy's greatest episode ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I see it. So, you know, if you know Pete Golding, just pass that along. We're, uh, we're, we, we'd definitely be interested to hear what he has to say. Anywho, I think that'll do it for us here on Talking Tigs this week. Uh, please, you know, Tune in next week. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we have some good news for you. Maybe we can pull out a win. In yeah, mid mid-season update. We got to reevaluate where this thing is going. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd say I'd put us at six and six. Seven and five would be awesome. Uh, I'd be ecstatic if that was the case. <laughs> um, but I don't know. That remains to be seen. So, 
Um, until then, uh, stay safe, stay tuned, and we will talk to you next week on Talking Tigs again, hopefully with some good news because we could sure use some, especially in the state of Louisiana. The LSU lost, the Saints lost, La Tech lost, everybody lost. So hopefully, uh, hopefully LSU, Louisiana can turn things around. Uh, but we'll find out. We'll have it for you here next time on Talking Tigs.